A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue, and looked up to heaven. He sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The word of the Lord. So a couple confessions this morning before we get started. Uh, The first of which is we're going to be, so this morning's sermon series, uh, we're continuing in the sermon series. We're going to hit the S, the first S in bless, that's serve with love. And so we're going to be talking about service and what that means, but... I think just from the outset, uh, I have a great illustration of, of that from within our own community. So this morning, I woke up and I was achy. I wasn't feeling good. And I was like, oh, shoot, this stinks. It's like such a big day. And then um, my wife Amy came downstairs about 10 minutes later and said, uh, quote, uh, I think I'm going to die. Um, <laughs> which is, and, and she was supposed to be leading worship this morning. This was her week to lead worship. And so I was like, oh, that's not good. And um, she gave me this very unconvincing, but I can do it. I can get up there. I can rally. And, and I did not believe it for half of a second. I was like, we'll be propping you up like, uh, like Weekend at Bernie style, just so you can do this. So I took out my phone, and I called Katie Ducklow. And Katie answered the phone. First of all, she answered the call. It was 7.15 in the morning, and she was up and answered the call. And she said she would do it this morning. So thank you, Katie, for serving with love today. You are the best. And so since Easter, we've been in this sermon series, which the source of it, it comes from the Office of Evangelism of the Evangelical Covenant Church. So one of the flavors that make up the cooperative ministry here at Resurrection Minneapolis. And so their goal with this series, when they, when they offered it to congregations and, and they put it forth, they said they want to help congregations and Christians see that evangelism isn't weird or, or scary or something that's for some special class of, you know, super... Christians. They want people to see that evangelism, sharing the good news about Jesus and inviting people to respond in faith, is eminently doable for everyone. And the way to do it is to do it like Jesus did. And so when we do, it won't be like we're following a script on a sales call. We'll be following our Lord and Savior, and the gospel message will come not first from our words, though words matter. When we do mission like Jesus, it changes how we live our lives. And so we show before we tell. And there's this very helpful acronym, as I said, that they gave to do mission and evangelism like Jesus, and it's BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. And it's helpful not just because blessing is a sort of a religious word or a, or a biblical word even, but it fits with God's plan from the beginning. God's desire has always been to bless, bless creation. So when God speaks creation into existence, he says to all the living things, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's blessing. 
And when things spiral out of control and downhill, God blesses Abraham and Sarah in order to bless the world. So as Christians, our mantra should be this. We are blessed to be a blessing. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? People who are blessed to be a blessing. And so this series is about looking at the life and ministry of Jesus in Scripture in order to understand what it might mean for us to be blessers. And so here we are on the fourth letter. And so far we've got the B, which was? Begin with prayer. There we go. Begin with prayer. And we've got the L, which was? Listen with care. And we have the ever popular E from last week, which was? Eat together, um, or just eat. Uh, it's not eating by yourself, uh, uh, although eating by yourself is great. But And just to clarify, someone did ask me if uh, having coffee with someone counted as eating. And I said, yes, that does count. So as long as it is five-watt coffee, then it certainly counts uh, as a healthy, a healthy meal. And so this week, the S is serve with love. And so we're going to look at how did Jesus serve in order to understand that how we can serve as well. And service is a really, it's a, it's a common term, but it's, it's very interesting when we stop down, and when we slow down and we look at it from a few different angles. Uh, you know, where did you serve? Is a question that get asked to people who were in the military about where they were stationed or deployed. And there's not many other groups of people that, that talk about what they do in terms of service and their jobs in terms of service. And the only, when I was thinking about this, I said, the only other groups I can think of besides folks in the military are, you know, clergy and missionaries and maybe like someone who's in uh, the Peace Corps or something like that. Um, speaking of which, our own Brianna Hope Thompson uh, will be back in a couple of weeks and she is serving in the Peace Corps in Colombia. And so look for more information on that uh, uh, coming up. And so even though there are many helping professions, and in fact, people say our entire economy is a service-based economy. It's only these select professions that use the language of service to talk about what they do. And so with service, there's this idea of not living for yourself, but for a greater cause, a higher cause and purpose. You know, a soldier serves her country. A pastor serves God. Uh, folks in the Peace Corps, they, they, they volunteer to serve humanity. And so service is about living for a greater cause. It's directed outward. It's not about living primarily for yourself, but for the good of other people. So we can say that in service, we reach outward in order to point people upward. We reach out to others in order to point them to this greater cause that we're participating in. And so that said, let's, let's look at our passage this morning from the Gospel of Mark to see how Jesus served, how he reached out to others and pointed them up to God and what principles that might offer us for our own understanding of service. And as we think about this, it's, it's very helpful that there will be the four P's of serving like Jesus. And so the first P, it, it just so happens, is proximity. And so in verse 32, it says, And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. And so whenever Jesus serves someone, almost without exception, he's close to them. And in fact, oftentimes he makes physical contact with them. And you go, well, okay, proximity, that might be like a well-duh 
principle, but in our day and age especially, it's easy to, you know, serve people without ever having anything to do with them. Right? You can mail a check, or you can make an online donation, or you can uh, change your profile picture, or, or, you know, post a particular hashtag. And these are all ways that we, we, we try to fulfill, I think, what is our innate God-given desire to serve others. But without getting too close to the mess. But if we want to serve like Jesus, we've got to be willing to get close to people who are hurting or, or people who don't have it all together. And it, it's, it's not easy. Ask anyone who, who has given their life in service that even if it's meaningful, it's not easy. And, and, you know, it doesn't always feel good or, you know, smell good or fit nicely with everything that we want to do. It, it often means, and maybe always means, that we have to go out of our way. But Jesus goes out of his way to get close to this man. If you read verse 31, Mark describes Jesus' travel itinerary. And since we're not from Israel, Palestine, we, we have no understanding of what this means but it's a very strange route that jesus takes all the commentators note this and it's as if jesus was going from minneapolis to saint paul by way of forest lake so you know it's just a nonsensical route it's a circuitous route and so some scholars see this and they say well mark must have been confused or he's mixing up stories or uh he's ignorant of palestinian geography so there's no way that jesus would ever make a trip like this but i say not so fast because maybe something else is going on here and that something else might just be that jesus went out of his way to serve just this one man he went out of his way to get close to this one person because that's the way that God works is that when we serve, we've got to get close to people even if they aren't immediately close to us. And so service starts with proximity and proximity starts with going out of our way even if going out of our way doesn't mean we go to some far off place but we take notice of someone who's right there in front of us who it would be easy to ignore. And so when Jesus serves, he goes out of his way to get in close proximity to people. That's the first P, proximity. The second P in serving like Jesus is that Jesus serves perceptively. They bring the deaf man to Jesus in front of this huge crowd. And Jesus takes the man away from the crowd and he deals with him privately. And Jesus has healed plenty of people in front of plenty of crowds before. So the question is, why does he do it this way this time? And we know the man's condition, that he's deaf, and because of his deafness, he can't speak well. The, the word that's used is speech impediment. But it comes from this Greek word that means that speaking was an incredible difficulty. It was a monumental task for this man. And so all of us are, of course, familiar with how deaf people talk. And if we're honest, many of us at some point have mimicked the way that they speak, uh, and sometimes in a mocking way. And so you can imagine what it would be like to be him. To not be able to hear and to want to speak, but have it be almost impossible. And we have to keep in mind that this was an oral, you know, hearing, and an oral, a speaking-based society. Almost no one could read, and, and fewer people 
could write. So you can imagine how isolating it would have been to not be able to engage in the the most common forms of communication and discourse of this day. And we have to think about how this man must have known what it was like to be the butt of jokes, made at his expense because he couldn't talk right. The crowds that surround him can be cruel. And so even though Jesus knew that this man needed healing, he perceives that he has other needs too. Privacy, dignity, attention, not to be made a spectacle of. Jesus perceives needs that go beyond the obvious. And so when we serve like Jesus and we're perceptive, we don't just deal with people in these sort of broad, general categories. Like, you know, here's a, just a man, he's a deaf mute. That's, that's what he is. When we're perceptive and we serve, we, lean, we learn to see and engage with the whole person. We interact with folks as individual people with unique stories. Perceptive people don't work from assumptions. They're wise, and so they know what happens when you assume. Stephen Covey, the author of the bestseller, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, tells a story. And one day he was commuting on the New York subway, quietly reading a book, when he was interrupted by two wild little boys that got onto the train with their father at a subway stop. And the children weren't just loud the way children are. They were out of control. Jumping up and down, running loudly through the subway car. And the father seemed not to be paying attention or noticing or or caring that his children were misbehaving and disturbing all the other commuters. And finally, when Stephen couldn't take it anymore, he approached the father and explained that he needed to control his kids and teach those kids some respect. And the father agreed, and he sighed sullenly, saying, Yeah, I I just don't know what to do, and I really don't know what to say to them. We just came from the hospital where their mother died. Ouch. Not what he was expecting to hear. Covey uses this story to remind us that we need to seek first to understand. We need to seek first to understand the people God has put in close proximity to us, where we work, where we play, where we hang out in our neighborhood. Don't just assume that you know people's story and you know people's pain because you know the broad categories that they fit into. Serve perceptively. All right, so we've gotten proximity, we've gotten perceptivity, uh, but now there's the third P, personally. When you heard the end of that story and the unexpected, you know, conclusion, you probably just were like, oh, ouch. I had the same experience recently. A a friend of mine told me a story uh, from a few years ago. He was riding his bike and a a woman kind of hit him. He was riding the bike, the woman in a car hit him, and he sort of slid out under the car. And um, uh, the bike was fine, he wasn't hurt, but the woman drove away immediately, hit and run. Left the scene. And so he was able to gather himself and get on his bike and chase the car down, and, and somehow was able to maneuver his way in front of her car and cut her off, hit the brakes, stop, 
And she stopped, and he goes up to her car, and he starts going, what, you know, yelling as you would do after a near-death experience. What are you doing? What are you thinking? How could you do that? And the woman is just in tears, and she says, I was, I was just diagnosed with cancer. Oof. Not what you're expecting to hear. Hearing that hurts. And so that's exactly what happens with Jesus in our story. It it goes beyond perceiving this man's pain. And he actually enters into the man's pain and feels it personally. It says that Jesus looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha. And in Greek, what's called a deep sigh is not like we think of a sigh. It was... A deep sort of personal groan. Like when you get some really bad news about someone close to you. And even thinking about it, you just go, oh, no. Why this? Why them? And so Jesus is feeling for what this guy has been going through. Jesus was not just some, you know, serving machine who was cranking out acts of kindness wherever he went. He was deeply and personally affected by the suffering of the people that he was serving. As he served, he courageously entered into the pain of the people that he was blessing. The Christian author, Alan Hirsch, he really gets this and he writes, Whoever we're called to serve, we need to feel their pain. So serving others is going to get personal. It needs to, which means it's going to get painful. So we have our first three P's. We have serving in proximity and perceptively and and, and personally. But the last one is our fourth P, which answers this question of how can we do that? That sounds exhausting and superhuman and above and beyond what we're capable of doing. And so how can we serve without it breaking us or without us giving in or giving up hope? And so the good news is that we don't do this on our own. That when we serve in the name of Jesus, we have God's power. And that's our last P, God's power working in and through us. Which is an important reminder because uh, today is Pentecost Sunday, if you didn't know it. And we haven't really done anything for it. But it's the day where the church celebrates the the, the Holy Spirit being given from on high. And Jesus' disciples being filled with it. And then receiving power and preaching powerfully and acting powerfully. And so when we serve in the name of Jesus, we have God's power working in and through us. And so Jesus, before he heals this man, he does some, you know, kind of weird stuff. He he puts his fingers in his ears and he spits and he touches his tongue. And these are all things, actually, that a healer in Jesus' day would have done. But at that point, there's no indication that this man has been healed. He's not healed until Jesus looks up to the heavens and says, Ephatha, be opened. And so the question then, you know, who is Jesus talking to, the man or the Father in heaven? And the answer to that question is yes. Jesus is asking for this man's ears to be opened and his speech to be loosed, but he's doing that by asking the heavens to be opened and for God's power to rain down upon him. And so when we serve, how often do we stop and ask for God's power? How often do we stop and ask him to bless our efforts? Because when we serve, we too, like Jesus, have access to God's power. It's not magic. 
right? It's better than that. And so I say all this to remind you that when you are serving people, if, if people are sick, pray that God would heal them. If they have an addiction, ask that God would free them from this. If, if they're in a relationship that is hopeless, ask God to reconcile them. You get the idea. Do not be afraid to ask God for something great, for a miracle. Because what's the worst that could happen? And when we serve seeking God's power, strange things will happen and keep on happening. All right, so those are our four Ps of serving like Jesus. But, but before I finish, I'm going to have a specific challenge for you. So start, you know, sort of getting ready for action. But let's first just review how we should serve. So proximity, this sounds obvious, but it needs to be said. And, and I'm not just talking about your family. A serving has to go beyond the walls of this building and also beyond the walls of our home, where we work, where we play, where we hang out, our neighborhoods. And some of this think is that this is something we have to add on to our lives. But no, it's something that we do as we're going through life. Because God has either sent us to the people that we are to serve or he is going to send us to the people we're going to serve. And perceptively, seek first to understand Don't assume you know the whole story. Don't assume you know people's pain. Personally, wherever and whoever we're called to serve, we need to be willing to go there, to enter into their stuff with them. And powerfully, we ask God to do what only God can do. And then there's one more thing that we can't miss when we think about serving, is that there is reciprocity involved, that we have to allow people to serve us back. Because we think about service so much, it's like, I'm up here, you're down there. But that's not how it works, because we are all going to find ourselves in a place of being down here and needing service. I was reminded of this or learned this lesson powerfully after Gregory was born. You know, as a pastor, I'm used to, be the per- used to being the person doing the serving. But I had to be served. I had to allow people to bless us, and I had to stop being so selfish that I was going to be a blessing blocker. I couldn't be blocking other people's tove to adopt the language from our beginnings sermon series. And so my challenge is this, as we leave this sanctuary, when we go out in the next 24 hours of our life, commit a random act of service. Do something loving for someone else just because. Pray, seeking God to present you with that opportunity, and when it happens, pray for God's power before, during, and after that encounter. It doesn't have to be spectacular. Leave the spectacular stuff to God. But remember, we are the people that God has chosen to bless the world, and we reach out to those around us, and we restore God's dream to where it's broke, when it's broken, and we reproduce this mission in others. And why do we do this? So we can see the mission of Jesus accomplished, that people will find their way back to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please pray with me.